Good afternoon and welcome to Beyond the Numbers with McKissick Appraisal. We are here today talking with Kevin Hecht on uh, real estate and the economy. Kevin Hecht is a certified real estate appraiser in Missouri. He began his appraisal career in 1987, appraising different types of residential properties. He's worked as an independent fee appraiser, as well as a staff appraiser, district manager, and regional manager for Bank of America and CoreLogic. He earned his bachelor's degree in economics from the University of Missouri, Columbia, his MBA from Fontbonne University, and a master's in economics from the University of Detroit Mercy. He's also an AQB certified USPAP instructor and an IDEC certified distance education instructor. In addition to all of these wonderful things, Kevin has a passion for economics and is a faculty member of several colleges and universities. He's a member of the American Economic Association and the American Real Estate and Urban Economics Association. So let's welcome Kevin. Kevin, how are you today? Good, Julie. Thank you very much. Appreciate the introduction. Great. So tell us about what's happening in the real estate economy right now. It might be easier to tell you what's not happening in the real estate economy right now. I think, you know, there's a lot of things going on uh, throughout the economy. We're talking about interest rates. We're talking about inflation. We're talking about housing supply. All these things are are acting on forces that we haven't seen in quite some time. And so it presents a challenge to appraisers to figure out exactly how they're going to move forward and, and how to address those challenges. Right. There's a lot of appraisers in the profession right now that have never dealt with a declining economy. So how are we going to look at those things? Well, the first thing I think that appraisers need to be aware of is whether they realize it or not, they're all microeconomists. Every time you do an appraisal assignment, you're looking at the microeconomy in the subject market where you're appraising. So we always tend to focus on the property. But we have to look at the larger picture. We have to look at what's going on in the market, what's going on with jobs, what's going on, again, with interest rates. How do those things affect demand for real estate or supply in some cases? And as we see today, uh, up until just recently, we had a massive undersupply. There was a huge demand, but supply wasn't keeping up with that demand. Now we're starting to see things shift just a little bit. We're getting back closer, at least, to what we would typically see. Now, I should preface all my remarks by saying one thing to remember is your market might be different than your neighbor's market. So always be cognizant of the market that you're working in. So we we talk a lot about the economy, but every part of the country is experiencing a different economic outcome. So when you're the traditional fee appraiser, how can you get your finger on the pulse of the economy in your general marketplace? Well, I think one of the great things we have today is a wealth of information. I mean, when I first started in appraisal, I can remember driving around, finding pay phones to make calls, going to the courthouse and dreaming about the day when all this information was online. And now not only is the real estate information online, but there are so many sources for economic data and additional real estate data, things that are outside of our MLS that I think appraisers need to keep aware of. And so I would encourage you to look in your local market at some of the important sources. The National Association of Realtors presents a lot of great information. So subscribe to those newsletters, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, FHA and VA. Even if you don't do FHA and VA appraisals, you should be subscribed to their newsletters. 
because it keeps you up to date with what's going on in the industry and what these uh, secondary market lenders are looking for. And so it helps you kind of narrow down what it is you need to find as you're looking through the data. But you have all so, kinds of sources. So that's a great lead into where do appraisers go to find that data and how do, how do they make it meaningful in their appraisal reports? One of the things I always remind appraisers is our MLS now, or most MLSs, have more information than we could have ever dreamed about, right? You can go in and you can take the data and you can create charts and graphs, and you can look at all kinds of different slices of that data. One of the really cool things about most MLSs is that you can actually physically draw your boundaries to whatever area that you want, and it will pull data just from that section of the market. But what you have to be careful of is not overusing that information, right? I think sometimes appraisers, and I spent a lot of time reviewing appraisals in my career, I think one of the things appraisers tend to do is put as much data in the report as they can without providing proper explanations. And that just leads to more confusion. So sometimes more data is not always the answer, but I would definitely encourage appraisers to go to their local MLS, Take a class if you haven't already done so to see what is available within your MLS. It's the first place to start. Then beyond that, I would talk to your board, your local real estate board. They have a lot of great information and a lot of real estate boards will put produce newsletters. Uh, here in St. Louis, where I am, the St. Louis Board of Realtors produces a newsletter that shows what's going on in the general market. And again, you have to be specific to where you're appraising, but it's a great place to start. Right. And having also been a review appraiser, I echo your sentiment that more is not always better. I've seen some um, appraisals that uh, had pages and pages and pages of data, but it wasn't really truly relevant to the subject property. So definitely considering your market itself, not just throwing more data, more numbers into your appraisal report. I see the, I see definitely see the benefit of that. Yeah. So uh, we've heard lots of things in the news right now about mortgage rates, mortgage rates changing. How is that going to affect the short term and then the long term outlook for our local real estate appraisers? Well, economics is called the dismal science, and I and I hate to be dismal in my outlook, but I think that we're going to continue to see rates increase over the near term. And that's had a big impact. Already, we're seeing a decline in uh, demand. We're seeing the, the mortgage applications go down as a result of the increase. And I think that's going to continue because I think that the Federal Reserve is going to be very hawkish on inflation. They're really going to work to try to bring inflation down. And their main tool to do that is to keep interest rates uh, increasing. We've already seen it, several interest rate increases, and the consensus is that we're going to see more. And again, just my opinion, but I think they're going to be bigger than we would normally expect because they're very focused on getting inflation under control. Right. I saw a prediction that said uh, as high as 7% by the end of 2022. What yeah. kind of data have you seen along those lines? I've seen the same thing. And, and again, talking about what data sources to look at, follow the Mortgage Bankers Association and see what they're predicting, see what they provide to their members so that you can get a kind of grasp of what's going on because it, it is going to affect appraisers overall. If you go to any of the discussion boards uh, on appraisal, you see people talking about the decline in volume in a lot of areas. And so it's important to be aware of that so that you can prepare 
and either make other uh, find other sources of appraisals or look at other ways to use your appraisal knowledge to generate revenue. So when appraisers are trying to depict the current market in their appraisal reports, have we turned that corner from supply being short supply to oversupply to right in the middle? Where do you think we stand right now? Well, I think it depends on the market. I would say we're not, I don't know that any markets are in an oversupply situation yet, but I think most markets or many markets are moving back toward that imbalance situation. Now, there are some markets uh, in some areas where you're still seeing a, a great undersupply, but in general, and again, this is why it's so important to be specific in your research. In general, I think we're moving closer to the imbalance situation. Okay, great. That's uh, something appraisers need to keep in mind is that just because there are those boxes on the first page of that appraisal report, um, you can't just stay stagnant with what you're reporting in your appraisal. You do need to be continuously monitoring and understanding your marketplace, talking to your local realtors, uh, those that are involved in our real estate transactions locally. They're great sources of data as well. So you bring up a couple of really important points, Julie, I think. One is you can't rely on what you did. So you did an appraisal in a subdivision last month. You cannot rely on that data this month. You're going to have to rerun that information. Make sure you're staying on top of the data. And two, I think one of the things that appraisers have gotten away from is that relationship with realtors, right? Appraisers are afraid to talk to realtors. And I think we really need to build, rebuild those relationships and use those realtors as data sources, or at least to help us understand what's going on in the various markets. I agree completely. I think uh, we've gotten away from our relationship building as appraisers because we're so afraid of any appearance of impropriety or the appearance of some sort of influence. And I think we lose that in the transactional situations of our appraisal process, we get an email, we get a lockbox code, we don't ever actually speak to that human being. And those are the best resources that we have out there. So I would encourage appraisers to continue to build those relationships and have those consultations. You can do that in a professional manner without being influenced by someone involved in a specific transaction. I think appraisers need to focus on that much more. 100% agree. Okay, Kevin. So say an appraiser is uh, taking on an appraisal assignment right now, and it's in a market which they have done work in the past, but they haven't done anything, say, within the last two or three months. What are some key indicators they should be looking at when they're performing their market analysis? Well, I know that a lot of appraisers don't like the 1004 MC. And, and I understand from a form perspective how that's probably not the best use, but the information in that form is invaluable. And that's where I would start. What is the supply? What's the days on market? You know, how many listings are there? Are you seeing price declines or price increases? Uh, are you seeing multiple offer situations? One of the things we're hearing is that we're not seeing as many multiple offer situations as we were uh, three months ago, say. So you want to make sure that you're looking at what's going on in that market. Again, it goes back to what we said earlier. You can't rely on something you did 
a month ago, really in a lot of markets, even two weeks ago, right? You have right. to monitor the data. You have to stay on top. And so looking at the supply in that market, looking at how many active listings there are, how fast do they go under contract? Again, do we have multiple offer situations? Are we starting to see price decreases? I know in my market, we're starting to see some price decreases happen after properties have been on the market for 30 days. So you have to look at that. And for me, that's the place to start. That's where you're going to build the rest of your appraisal from. Right. And in my market, I'm in the Kansas City area. I've had discussions with realtors and they've said, we may have five offers after being exposed to the market for three or four days, where before we had 25 offers. We may just have five now, but those five are typically pretty good quality. So it's maybe not the sense of desperation for buyers finding a property. Maybe that's slowing down a bit. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think so. I think with the interest rates increasing, it's caused people to kind of take a step back and kind of reconsider where they're at in their home search and what they can afford. I mean, we know historically that when interest rates go up, housing affordability goes down. And we're already in a situation where housing affordability is kind of out of whack from historical standards. So those interest rates are only going to make that worse in the short term until we get that reset. And I think- right. one, I I taught a class a few weeks ago and had a student, as we were talking about market value, he said, are today's buyers really acting in their own best interest when you are offering to pay, you know, 40, 50, even as much as $100,000 over list price? Are you really acting in your own best interest? We talk in economics a lot about rationality is one of the assumptions that we use that people are acting rationally. And there's been a lot of discussion about whether home buyers or even home sellers in this market are acting rationally. Again, we, we can argue that or, or debate that, but I think at the end of the day, you kind of have to look at okay, what are they, where are they moving? Why are they moving? What are they looking for? And again, what are their options? If you don't have any options and you have to move or you want to move, then you can question their rationality to some extent, but at the same time, you know, that's what's there. That's what's available to them. And I think that is something that a lot of appraisers kind of overlook and they kind of jump to the conclusion right away that that price isn't supportable. That price isn't sustainable. But we're just reporting on the market data. I think we have to right. be careful and, about making future assumptions. Right. And that's a discussion I've had uh, in USPAP classes as I've taught them around the country. Uh, even if you feel someone is paying too much for a property. Um, it's not your job to police that. It's your job to report that property and how it relates to the general marketplace. Is it, it you find the true market value of the property, whether you think the sales price is ridiculous or not, if the data shows that that's a supportable and accurate market value, that's what it is. Exactly. It is what it is. Right. It is what it is. And I had a realtor tell me a few months ago that this is a great time to sell a home, but maybe not the greatest time to buy a home. So if you're selling and you have somewhere to go, great. If you're selling and then you have to turn around and buy, uh, this might not be the best time for you. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of that. I mean, and that's exactly what I think is keeping supply artificially lowered or lower than it should be. People are afraid to put their house on the market because they don't have any place to go. 
And I think one of the other things we have to be aware of is the employment situation in, in our various markets, because that has a huge impact on people's ability to buy houses. Uh, we're starting to see a lot of companies lay people off, and that is going to have an impact on how much a person can afford or if a person can even afford to buy a house. And I'm not ready to say we're going to start to see uh, foreclosures, but I think that is something we're looking ahead, we have to be aware of and keep in the back of our minds as we move through these changes to the economy. That's a great point, Kevin. So how can your residential appraiser, how can they get their finger on the pulse of the employment situation in their market? So I think the first place to look is your local newspaper, right? Because they keep kind of a pulse on uh, what's going on in the major employers in your market. But, you know, going online, there's a lot of information. And I think one of the things, again, that we we've gotten away from is talking to people in your appraisal organizations, in your realtor organizations. There's a lot of discussion about those kind of topics. And so keep your ear to the ground and, and hear what people are saying. Uh, everybody knows somebody who is either been laid off or worried about their job. And again, we're starting to see more and more major corporations have bigger layoffs. And that's an indication that they're not as confident about the future of the economy uh, as they were, say, six months ago. And that all funnels through the economy and it, and it ends up having an impact uh, on the real estate market. Right. So, Kevin, a hot topic in the world right now is, is the R word, recession. Are we headed for a recession? What does your economist brain think about that? Well, Julia, I, I think the short answer to that question is yes. I think we are headed for a recession and you'll get some counter arguments to that. But again, if we look at the employment situation, if we look at the interest rate situation, if we look at the inflation situation, all signs point to the fact that we're headed for a recession. The question is, how long will the recession be and how severe will the recession be? And I can tell you that the Federal Reserve is focused on trying to figure out a way to make it as short as possible with the least amount of pain, but they've also already said there's going to be some pain. And I think, again, we look at that, how does that affect the real estate market? Well, loss of jobs, loss of asset value, right? Are we headed again for a foreclosure process, uh, market? And, and while I don't think that we're headed for the foreclosures that we saw back, say, in 2005, I think we're going to start to see an uptick in some of that uh, affecting the markets. And again, that's going to have an impact on the values of properties listed for sale, because when you have a market value sale competing against a foreclosure sale, that has an impact on the market. So it does. Again, you need to be I've always said the real estate market will correct itself. You know, no one can, can expect our homes to continue to increase in value 5, 10, 15% a year indefinitely. What goes up must come down. And I say your your home value prices or your home values are not necessarily falling, but they're more right sizing. They're coming back to where they probably should have been all along. How do you feel about that, Kevin? Well, if you if you've been in the real estate business for any length of time, you know there's only one real rule, and that is things always change. And you know, in my 35 plus years in the business, we've we've seen the highs, we've seen the lows, but I think you're exactly right. It, it's a cycle and everything comes back on that cycle. 
The question is, how long do those cycles last? And, and while we're not going to predict those cycles, and we shouldn't try to predict those cycles, again, as you mentioned earlier, we're just reporting what's going on in the market at the time that we're doing the appraisal. Now, we can argue about whether that's how we should do appraisals. And I know there's a lot of discussion about kind of changing some of the appraisal process, and I'm all for that. I think there's some things we need to update. But as it stands, we're just reporting the information that we see. So don't try to predict the the bottom of the market or the top of the market. That's not what an appraisal is is for. That's not what an appraiser is supposed to do. Right. And I've always said the exact flaw in the appraisal process is that we're predicting a, a market value as of today based on historical data. Right. And even when we can see the writing on the wall, that maybe values are going to be falling soon. If they're not falling right now, when do we decide when to make that time adjustment? I think that goes back to the data in the market. And I think as you look at what's going on in the last, and again, you know, we typically look at in three-month increments, but we're going to have to start looking in, in monthly increments. In some cases, in some markets, weekly increments. What What happened last week? What's changed and keep that pulse. And so I would encourage appraisers to keep a spreadsheet uh, of sales and you can use your MLS to do a lot of this as well. And they provide some of those reports. And that's why I think, again, it's important you understand what your MLS offers so that you can dig into that data. But we can't just sit down at our computer, define our market area, run our comps and throw them in the report, right? We have to be looking at that bigger picture, what's going on, uh, what's been happening and how is that changing what's going on in the market? I wish there was a magic formula that said that if you have five sales that had price decreases in the last three months, we call that a declining market, whatever the metric is. But we don't have one thing that we can point to that says we are now in a declining market. It's a gradual process. And appraisers have to be aware of how their market is, is reacting to all these changes in the economy. Right. And appraisers tend to be so afraid to mark those boxes either that say oversupply or say declining and your secondary market lenders will still accept loans on appraisals when the appraiser has marked those dreaded boxes. Um, it, it's doing a disservice if you are over beautifying or shining up your appraisal to um, conform to what you feel are maybe underwriting guidelines. It's your job to predict that property in the market as it stands now. Yeah. And I think from our perspective as USPAP instructors, we would also tell you that's a violation of USPAP, right? All you're going to do if you do something like that is get yourself in trouble. Right? Correct. So just make sure that you're reporting what's actually happening. Right. I encourage appraisers in my classes to view themselves in a risk management kind of uh, thought process, that it's your job to present both the risks and the rewards related to a property and how it fits in its general marketplace. And the good, the bad, and the ugly are what the lender wants to know. They want to know all about it. That, that's a great point. And I think something that a lot of appraisers don't think about, right? We're so used to just providing a number but we're, and we have all heard this, right? We're the eyes, the ears, the nose of the underwriter at that property. 
And so when we're doing an appraisal, we're not just providing a number. We're helping the lender determine their risk. And so, you know, that's why it's so important that we're accurate. And I would say that, you know, you said that lenders will accept even if you decline, if you check oversupply or declining. But I would also go so far as to say, it doesn't matter what the lender would accept. You have to do what the information, what the data is telling you. Because all you're going to do if you don't, again, is get yourself in trouble with your state board, with the lender. You know, everybody thinks that lenders always want to make the deal. But in my experience, and I've worked for, again, Bank of America for a long time, that's not always the case. They want to know what it is the risk is associated with that loan. And obviously, the property is the biggest part of that. So don't be afraid to check the right box, the correct box for your market. Right. And you know, keep in mind that the person reviewing or reading your report, that user may have never set foot in your state, may very well not know your marketplace. So it's your job as the appraiser to present the property and how it relates to the market. That's crucial. Yeah, that's that's another good point. And, and there's always some animosity, I think, between an appraiser and a review appraiser who hasn't been in the market. And, and there really shouldn't be. Because I've always told people, uh, the reviewer's there to try to keep you out of trouble, right? They're not trying to pick on your report. They're just trying to make Correct. sure the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed. And you should look at that as a as a thing that will help you stay out of trouble. And so I don't know where all this started with people getting upset with reviewers for asking questions, but that's their role. And that's part of the process. So I would always encourage people to work with your, with your reviewers Um I know there are people who don't like the AMC model, but it is what it is. So we deal with it. We work within the structure that we have to make the best of it. And and those reviewers are a big part of that process. Right. And I usually encourage appraisers to, while I understand revision requests are time consuming, they can be frustrating, but also they can be an area that you can grow from. If you take that information and you are using it to examine your appraisal process and say, if the reader of my report had this question, maybe I'm not stating whatever it may be. Maybe I'm not stating it clearly enough. Maybe there's more um, information I could add that would make my conclusions more clear to the reader. And I think that's where we get, um, it gets to be very adversarial between reviewer, underwriter, and appraiser. And I don't think that's in the benefit of the appraiser. Uh, You need to take that criticism here and and see it for what it is and and grow your appraisal process. That's a great point. And I, I think one of the things that appraisers do is get set in their ways, right? Uh, I, I, I saw an appraisal once with a discussion of the adjustments and the rationale for the adjustments was, and this was written in the appraisal report, my 35 years of experience. That's not going to cut it in in today's world. Because remember, these are going to federal regulators and going to uh, investors who are astute at understanding the financial implications of these transactions. So they need the data to support that number. And you're right, it's become kind of an adversarial relationship in a lot of situations. And it really shouldn't be. And I completely agree with your statement about, you know, revising your appraisal practice or improving it. We should always be trying to improve our appraisal practice. 
And there's a you know a lot of great ways to do that. And one of the things I think, especially today with the online classes that are available, take additional classes. Don't just take your 28 hours or your 30 hours or whatever your state requires because you have to. Take it to learn something new and interact with other appraisers. When we teach online, I think one of the really cool things is now we have appraisers from all over the country. So you get people talking about things that happen in their market that you may never experience, but now you have something else you can rely on to kind of think through and solve your own problem. Whereas when we're in person, we're usually dealing with a lot of people from the same market who have the same problems, which is great. You know, we always want to hear how they handle them, but getting that broader perspective, I think can only improve the appraisal uh, industry. Right. And some of the courses I teach from McKissick, specifically the ANSI course, as appraisers were getting acclimated to the ANSI changes. I did. I had cl- I had students in class from California to Maine to Florida to Alaska, and it was very beneficial in that uh, live stream setting where we were speaking to each other. We were interacting as a group from as far away as we could be in the United States. Uh, to hear the different perspective in different markets as we were frustrated with basements and a gentleman from Arizona said, come appraise in Arizona. We don't have to worry about basements. So it was very enlightening to see just that sharing of data and information. And I'll take what you said about appraisers need to take extra classes to stay up on topics. There's also other things that are offered. Uh, McKissick, for example, offers pro series webinars where you can get fantastic data. Um, We've had Fannie Mae panels. We've had several different uh, types of speakers that just give you more information. And I think appraisers need to continue to grow and look at those options and not just stay stagnant in their... uh, mindset, especially right now, while they may have some work slowdown going on, now's the time to jump on an online forum or take an extra course and and really network with your peers. That's an excellent point. And I think the other thing to remember is that most of those webinars or a lot of the webinars that, you know, Fannie Mae offers, Freddie Mac are free. So it's not like you even have to pay for them. And so keep up to date. And and I've said this recently and 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 I'll repeat it for a while I don't think we've ever been at a point of change like we are in the appraisal industry right now there are so many and I'm not talking about adjustments in the economy I'm talking about the industry itself we are at a point where there are a lot of changes coming ANSI was just one of the first ones we're going to see new forms come out so you need to be aware of all this you need to be on top of this and and stay abreast of what's going on and as a USPAP instructor, I'll get on my soapbox here for just a second. They're in the process of revising USPAP. If you haven't read the draft, go out, read the draft, provide your comments. Because if you don't comment as an appraiser, then someone else as a lender or a user of the appraisals is going to be the one commenting. And that's what they're going to look at. So it's right. incumbent upon us as appraisers to have a more of a say in our industry. And the first place to start, in my mind, is by providing feedback to the foundation on USPAP. Right. And I I was encouraged that this time with the exposure draft that came out um, just over a month ago, that they had more response 
to this exposure draft than they've ever had in the past. Now, that makes it difficult for the standards board because they do read every single comment they get. But isn't that a good problem to have? That that we do have more people, more entities speaking and commenting on the changes to our profession. What other profession do we write our own rules? And that's what happens in the appraisal profession. Our rules are written by appraisers for appraisers and users of appraisal services. So if it make your voice heard, Absolutely. I guess would be my use pap instructor soapbox as well. I say we make it as hard, one. make it as hard on the ASB as we can. Right. The more, the more comments, the better. And, and I'm sure that they would tell you the exact same thing. I'm sure they're ecstatic about the level of involvement that they're getting in. So let's keep that going. Absolutely. Right. I went to the um, adoption of the new version of USPAP a few years ago when they held that public meeting in Kansas City. And in, in a comedic way, um, the public members, you know, the audience, for that meeting consisted of um, me. That was it. I was the only person there to watch the adoption of USPAP, myself and the camera guy. And while it's funny, um, it kind of made me sad. You know, those were the rules for our profession. And I was the only, I felt like I was watching a bill become a law. Now I get the thought process that all the work had already been finished all the comments and everything. This was the final product in the public adoption, but I was expecting it to be a packed house and that's not quite what happened. No, and again, I think it just goes to the general involvement up till at least recently we've had. And, you know, one of the great things is that you can watch a lot of the proceedings online. So you don't have to travel. If you're lucky enough to be in a place where they're having a meeting, I too would encourage you to go. I know someone who went, in person and stood up at the microphone and asked some questions and some pointed questions and, and got the responses and got the attention uh, of the ASB. So I think it's, it's important that we do that. I think, you know, it is important. Appraisers do need to have a voice and we do need to make our voices heard. Appraisers as a general rule, it seems are not much in the way of joiners, whether it's organizations, groups, but, I'm hopeful that with our technology changes and it makes it so much easier to interact with each other, um, you don't have time for travel and things like that, that we do start to interact more and participate more and have more of a voice in our profession. I think that's so important. I 100% agree. And and again, that's one of my soapboxes. You mentioned organizations and not to call out a specific organization, but get involved with an appraisal organization. It's a group of like-minded people that are trying to push the profession forward. So I would encourage everybody to, to get involved at some level in a, a local organization, a national organization, just so that they can understand what's going on. It's another great resource for information, and it gives you the opportunity to put your voice out there as well. Right. You know, USPAP says we need to do what our peers do. But what happens if you don't ever talk to your peers? Yeah. How do you know what they do? Um, you know, there's some great uh, Facebook appraisal groups. There's some some great resources out there if you just tap into them. Now, don't take all your advice from <laughs> some of those groups. 
Um, but the more information we can get, the better. And the more we interact with each other, I think the stronger we make our profession. Yeah. Especially in times when we're experiencing the change we are. And again, we have all these forces coming together in the industry right now. We have, you know, Fanny adopting ANSI and then Fanny and Freddie changing the forms. And then we have what's going on on the economy, on the other hand, and all these things are coming together. So you can't just sit back and let these things happen to you. You have to be part of the change to, to driving the change forward. Correct. I'm a big fan of that. Be part of the change. Exactly. Uh, especially as we're looking, like you said, big changes on the horizon. The change in form. Now, I don't know what the rush is for our change in form. We've only had this one in place since 2005. Um, but yeah, folks, it's time It's time that form gets updated. Yeah. So even though we're not too thrilled about the change, I, appraisers need to stay ahead of that. Stay ahead of the game. Don't, uh, don't be shocked when that form drops in your lap and you're, re- you're expected to implement it within a week. And you haven't taken a class, you haven't read anything. Yeah, they, they're giving us plenty of lead time on the form. So we need to be prepared for it. Yeah. And take take the opportunity to, to look at some of the drafts and, and provide your feedback. I know Fanny's held some listening sessions. Uh, be part of that. It, it, I haven't, I'm not sure where they're at. I saw some of the early versions. It's different than what we're used to. So again, don't wait till the last minute to find out about these changes. Right. Thinking about one form that is adapted to multiple property types and situations, levels of inspection, that's kind of scary. It it is going to be a big change, but I think it's a needed change. It's time. I worry. It's time. It's definitely time. Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Numbers with McKissick Appraisal. I'm your host, Julie Molendorp, and it's been great to have you here today, Kevin. I appreciate your insight on the economy and how it affects our real estate profession. Thanks, Julie. Enjoyed it. Be sure and tune in next month when our guest is Doug Potts, and we are talking about some unique approaches to appraisal value.